Good afternoon, everybody. This is Tony Butler with Operate Intelligently Podcast. I'm, I'm joined by my host, Bob Bittner. Bob, how are you today? I'm doing real well, Tony. And uh, it's a good day out, and uh, life is good, so uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm doing better than I deserve, I'll say that. There you sure. go. There you go. I think we all are. Yeah. So, Tony, today, I thought we'd dive into something a little different that we've, I don't think we've talked about this before. But I'd like to talk a little bit about contracting and buying things in an organization. And a lot of our audience uh, and our clients are people that self-perform a lot of the work that they do. However, every organization contracts some things out. They have to have supplemental support and help uh, on certain things, either because it's uh, expertise that they can't afford to hire uh, in-house just because they don't have enough of it or there's too much work for the people that they have and also some of the and I think we're going to see more and more of this as the labor pool becomes smaller and smaller in skilled trades that people are going to have to go out for more and more uh, skills and contract them in. I would say I've seen a lot of that recently as I've been on the road and traveling especially out west having to contract skilled labor and bringing it in because they can't find it. Yeah. And uh, so it really kind of drives back then. We hear a lot about uh, how we go out and acquire those services or those items that are needed. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's misinterpreted. We hear the idea that we have to have three bids, low bid. We hear that term all the time. And that's really is not the intent, particularly in public bidding laws, it's really competitive bidding. And we've interpreted that all around price and what the dollar sign looks like when you do that. I think that's a dangerous way to approach it. It, it really it really is. But I think uh, because we haven't been able to associate the other value that somebody brings along with it other than price, mm-hmm. uh, that becomes the, the one sole criteria of here it is, this is who we're going to use right. based off of price. You know, so it's it's really uh, competitive bidding with best value, with cost certainly associated with it. But let's let's dive into that a little bit if we can. So, you know, I used to do a lot of contracting and we used to go out every year and, and open up contracts with a, for a lot of different services, electrical, plumbing, HVAC work, elevators, fire alarm systems, and we would do it in in different ways. Some were just lump sum uh, pricing to maintain a system Mm -hmm. without any regard to how many hours it took to do that. And then there were ones that we bid by the hour. We would get hourly rates to do something. And so I want to talk and have people think a little bit about what's actually on the invoice when it comes in as opposed to what maybe the hourly rate or even that lump sum, were there things that were missing on there that's going to be on that invoice when I get it? Right. We need to be educated about the specifics. Ahead of time. That's right. Ahead of time. So example, I'll give you an example, Tony. A lot of times when we bid out things by the hour and somebody will give us an hourly rate to do something, I might get an hourly rate for... $80, I might get a rate for $100, and I might get a rate for $120, all as a 
let's just say an electrician, okay? okay? But when I get my invoice in and I say, okay, everything being equal, let's just say all the value is there across the board. And so I have selected the one that is $80 an hour. Okay. So there's a, there's a $40 an hour spread on there. But when I get my invoice in and I start adding all the other fees that a lot of times contractors will put on there, if you haven't specified that early on, that that is actually costing me $145 <laughs> an hour as opposed to the $80. So things like travel time, truck time, torch time, tool rental, rags used, you know, lots of different things that you may find on an invoice that you're being charged for. The base hourly rate, yes, was $80 an hour, but when I really looked at it, I should have gone with the guy that was $100 an hour uh, up front because those things were included in it. So understanding what additional fees are going to charge. I think you mentioned understanding what the invoice will look like. Yes. Uh, and, and what are the other fees that they could potentially charge you could be a, a great question or in addition to the bids that you put out. Yeah. I think that's where you really you, you really need to do it at bid time uh -huh. when you're bidding this these things out. You really need to specify what is going to be on the invoice. What am I going to see? Is there any other charge other than the hourly rate that I'm going to see on my invoice. And I think that's certainly a, a reasonable thing to ask. And Absolutely. that's a, you can say that in your bid package. Show me what a typical invoice would look like to do a specific job. Another area a lot of times where they'll get you is the parts. So if you're doing time and materials, there's this hourly rate plus the materials. Mm -hmm. So if I have to go out and buy a $400 motor, and install it and I get down to Granger and I buy that motor and it's a it's four hundred dollars off the Granger shelf and I bring it in and I install it I'm expecting to pay something as a markup because my contractor had to handle that he had to pay for it there was a lot of expense on that but I shouldn't pay another four hundred dollars for that motor what's the, what's the markup gonna be on what's, it what's reasonable what's reasonable and we actually used to say here is the allowable markup that we're going to allow on parts. We did that somewhat by dollar volume because when you, it takes about the same amount of time to process, to go get, process a $25 part as it does a $2,500 part from a standpoint right. of, of the activity that goes on. So you're placing a limit on the markup. And one of the thoughts I had, as you mentioned that, is... Uh, your ability to do that as a large organization versus a smaller organization. Do you think there's a difference, Bob, and what has your experience been? Yeah, but I, I think there are certainly we did have some clout in a larger organization to mm -hmm. do that. But I think contractors will respond if they want your business right. and you're reasonable with them. And let me talk a little bit about being reasonable with contractors. So often we have taken the position as owners that the contractors are out to get us. They're out to make lots of money off of us. And contractors are in business to make money. Let's make that clear up front, right? right. And my position always was, was I want them to make money. I want them to be a healthy company so that when I need them at three o'clock in the morning, 
They have employees that want and are willing to come. They've got equipment that is capable of handling the work, that they can respond to a need, and that they're a, they're a strong, healthy company. I don't want to make all of their yacht payments off of one invoice off of me, <laughs> but I do want them to make money. Well, I think it's important. To your point, they need to be dependable, uh, and they need to have the ability to actually do the work that you need them to do. Yeah. And so once you go through all of that, once you go through all of the, the bidding, and particularly if it's time and material, you don't know uh, an undefined amount of work up front you might bid for, I'm always I always encourage people... Feed your contractors some work along so they know who you are. Because when that 3 o'clock call, a.m. call comes... Because inevitably... Inevitably, it's going to come that you can call XYZ Electrical Company or ABC HVAC Company, and they're going to know who you are. They're going to know that you've negotiated rates already. Mm-hmm. You know that you've negotiated, and that's another thing that, that I always encourage people to do is not only negotiate regular hours, but negotiate after hours. What it doesn't, what does an emergency call look like from you? What is it going to cost me if I have to come outside of normal hours? Because normally what they'll bid is during normal business hours. Right. And so I want a definition also of what unnormal business hours, what off hours is going to cost me, so that I can say confidently, here it is. Right. Here's here's uh, what it's going to cost me. We've already got it pre-negotiated. You're not trying to figure out how much more you're going to mark it up because it's <laughs> it's at uh, Sunday night at midnight, and uh, I'm going to have to pay people extra, and I expect that, you know, as an owner. Yeah, I, I think you'll get a much better rate, to your point, uh, and knowing what you're getting into when that happens uh, gives you a peace of mind that, you know, that you wouldn't have had you not had that conversation uh, proactively. Yeah. Are you looking for a way to get inspired about your work as a facility or operations professional? Join us at our annual maintenance and operations conference, Dude University in San Diego, March 18th through the 21st. You'll be able to attend educational sessions about your day-to-day work, meet professionals from across the country who work in your and other industries, and enjoy the sunny 70-degree days in San Diego. Learn more and register online at university2018.com. And a lot of times, uh, if we get right down to the bidding process, I'm going to bid things out. It's not a fun thing to do. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's time consuming. You will have somebody, you will have other people in the process with you. You'll have somebody from purchasing. Mm-hmm. You may have a, a, a lawyer involved with it, depending on the size of it. You'll have other people that want to influence that decision. And you may already have a good idea what direction you want to go in so it's good to that you help control that process but there are some other instruments out there to be used to get some of these things done we also look at the bidding process is taking a long time i've right. got to i've got to advertise i've got to go out i got to review things blah 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 in most states and in most areas particularly in the public sector now I could leverage here in North Carolina an elevator contract that was really negotiated and bid out in Denver, Colorado, for say, for instance. 
If it was a publicly bid, I could leverage off of that contract. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not done very often, and purchasing groups will say, eh, I don't know if they did it R to R standard, but that is a way to do it. A better way yet is there are these things that are called group purchasing organizations, where these organizations have gone out and they've pre-bid a lot of things. They've done a lot of the work. Already. They've done a lot of the work up front, particularly around parts and known service things mm -hmm. that they will go out and they'll competitively bid and say, okay, I've got these four vendors that we've bid out that you can pick off the list. They're already completely uh, vetted out. We've, Here's what we bid against. Here's the standards. Here's what you can expect to see on the invoice. And then go at it from that direction of saying, hey, you, you talk to the your purchasing people and say, I want to leverage the GPO, the, the group purchasing organization pricing for this. Things like NJPA or TCPN or ENI, uh, a lot of those out there in the in the organizations today that you can leverage off and really save yourself a lot of time and money to yeah. do that. Well, time and effort. And to your point, they've already been vetted. So you also, again, I mentioned peace of mind before, but you have peace of mind knowing that yeah. uh, when you're using a GPO. And I think I think you talk about size of organization. Uh, you say. That was I able to leverage more because I was a bigger, probably. But this also brings volume to it. Mm -hmm. When they're talking about uh, bidding on, under a GPO model, they're looking at a bigger volume. They're going to be more competitive. They're going to be more reasonable in those things that you can leverage. So it makes you bigger than one organization that may have five schools. It can make you look like you've got 500 schools. Uh, as far as your purchasing power on that. So I think that there's just a lot of different ways to leverage those things. And going back a little bit to the to utilizing that and cost and value associated with it. I think a lot of times we haven't had the data to back up the value piece of it. And so the only thing when the per when the purchasing agent says, well, this is low bidder, we're going to select them, and you're saying to yourself, but they do crappy work. Right, and that's not okay. And that's not okay. Yeah, they bid, but they don't have the skill and the really the manpower to do all the things that we want to do. And so I think a lot of times we, we have to step back and say, okay, I've used these folks before, and yeah, they're $5 or $10 an hour cheaper, but I want to show you how many callbacks I had on their work. How many times I had to call them back to do work over again, or I had to send people out to follow up with those folks. That's, that's time. That's and time. time. Is money. And that's time is money. And it's time that things are broken down still. Right. So there's a lot of things associated with it. The other thing I think that really helps bring some value to this is a little bit about their organization themselves. And it's okay to ask them to see their safety procedures and policies because they should be complying with your regulations as well. Do they have lockout, tagout procedures? And you're going to, by the way, follow my lock, lockout, tagout procedures. You're going to follow my confined space permitting. You're going to have to get burn permits, etc. And all of this stuff is included in 
this, I'm not seeing anything extra on the invoice, right? Right, and I, and I think that's so important, Bob. You mentioned uh, you mentioned that, and we talked about the health of the company itself. Yep. And a company that has those things in place already, that's a company that has their ducks in a row. Yep. And that's someone who you want to do business with. Exactly. And it's even okay to ask, do you have any litigation in your company going on right now? Or what litigation have you had in the last five years? Yeah. What 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 has have you had? And and I want to know what cases have been filed against you, not just I want everything. Because right. if they if they've been in court all the time fighting stuff, you know there's there's probably something to it. You know. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things to create that best value mm-hmm. as well as cost, and to change the mind of I'm competitively bidding something. I'm not going out for three bid low bid cost. Does that make sense? No, no, that makes sense. Uh, Value is not equal to cost. And again, you know, we kind of drive back here because we are involved with data a lot, what these things are costing. Again, also out per hour. If you're going out with time and material and I hire a guy that's $80 an hour as opposed to $120 an hour, if the $80 guy takes four hours because he's not well-trained, he doesn't know how to do things, and I bring in a guy that it does it $120 an hour, and it takes two hours, who wins in that? Yeah. And uh, it's not me, right? Not <laughs> if, if, if I'm paying the twice the amount, I'm actually paying $160 an hour as opposed to $120 well, an hour. Well, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in you You pay for what you get, yep. or you get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely it comes through with the services that, that we purchase. One of the things from the, the uh, group purchasing that a lot of time purchasing agents in big organizations, even in smaller organizations, they leverage these things for large commodity purchases. Things like copy paper mm-hmm. or toilet paper in organizations. They don't want to go out and bid all that stuff. So they'll go to a group. They're familiar with them. Uh, your purchasing agent, uh, if they if they're worth their salt at all, they know about the group purchasing organizations, and they leverage them for some of these big volume purchases. And you just go in and you say, "Hey, I want to buy chillers, just like you're buying paper and toilet paper. You know, it's pre bid. It's it's uh, it's who I want to use. It's great value. I, and here I I uh, can show you how that these." are cheaper to operate, they're cheaper to maintain over time, and I want to buy them off this contract just like you're buying toilet paper or copy paper. And uh, then that, and you say, if you can spend $100,000 on copy paper like this, why can't I spend $80,000 on a chiller to do this kind of the same thing? So, you know, kind of push back on the, on the purchasing agent. That all they're trying to do is stay out of jail. Right. <laughs> they don't want bad publicity, and you don't want bad publicity. But it doesn't mean that you have to take low bid no, no, uh, no. on that day. And it's important. It's important for the people who are in that building. It's important for the operation and maintenance costs. You know, I mean, we've talked at length on this podcast about the importance of the maintenance department. And something like this, just it falls in line. It's in the same vein as, as what we've discussed. Well, and I would say kind of just in wrapping up is don't be afraid of your purchasing agent. <laughs> But don't let them pull the wool over your eyes either. You know, go have conversations with them. Tell them what you want to do. Say, here are the things that I'm seeing. Here's the things that I want to accomplish. 
I do want to be sensitive about what we're spending, but I also want to be sensitive about I'm really getting value from this. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting what I'm paying for. I want it right. I want it done right the first time. I want it. I want the people that come in here are safe. They're safe around my people. They're bringing in equipment and tools that are safe. They're not bringing in ladders that are broken down. Right. Uh, a whole host of things that can cause you problems uh, just because you pick somebody that was $5 an hour cheaper. Well, I think if you take the time to explain it to the purchasing agent, right, they they should be on your side. Yeah. Right. And uh, just take the time to explain why and help them understand the importance of it. And, and I think that'll go a long way. And so just in kind of wrapping up now, just encourage you guys, spend the time early on. Don't wait till the last minute. Define things uh, as how you want them and uh, spell these things out and, and kind of keep in mind. I, I think it's a good analogy. Keep in mind, what's the invoice going to look like? What, what is it going to be on that invoice when you get it as opposed to what's on the contract when you bid it? Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so much today. I hope you have the rest of your day goes well. And uh, we'll be talking with you soon again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Bob. You have a great day as well. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. And you can even email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com.